Hey there, Perfect Movie listeners. This is Steven. The episode you're about to hear was released one year ago this month on the bonus disc, the Patreon feed of the two Gomers. Our Patreon subscribers, we call them Gomertrons, get brand new episodes of Perfect Movie each month, plus the result show for every movie and additional bonus apps depending on what level you subscribe at. Now that a year has gone by, we're releasing the main Perfect Movie episodes to this feed so the public can hear them. If you want to stay up to date and hear these episodes a year in advance, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash twogomers to subscribe to the bonus disc. And if you like what you hear, make sure you check out Overcoming Runner's Block. That's our health podcast where we chase big goals, face our excuses, and invite a nation along for the run. You can find Overcoming Runner's Block wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, here's the episode. Happy listening. It's tradition for presidential candidates to choose a walkout song, a piece of music that plays while the hopeful comes up on stage to give a speech, and then again to accompany his or her obligatory waves, fist pumps, or various other gesticulations after the speech is done. Some of these songs are right on the nose, like when Hillary Clinton used Katy Perry's Roar, Obama walked out to Will I Am's Yes We Can, or James Madison's orchestra struck up that familiar tune Huzzah for Madison, huzzah. Some are a bit more nebulous. I still don't really get why Trump chose YMCA for his 2020 campaign. In 2000, the Gore-Lieberman ticket chose a walkout song that made a lot of sense on its surface. Greek composer Vangelis Papathosano's movie theme was, after all, immediately recognizable and conjured up images of running the race to win. But several pundits guessed it had a deeper meaning. The two men were, after all, Jew and Gentile, running together, an inescapable part of the movie that made the music famous. While that particular ticket ended up losing the race, were the candidates hoping that, perhaps, Vangelis' theme would stick in people's minds and continue to conjure up remembrances of them for years to come? Or would they, like the movie, fade in the collective memory and pale in comparison to the cultural impact the song itself continues to have. We're the two gomers, we're talking chariots of fire, and this is Perfect Movie. Perfect Movie, a podcast about two regular guys trying to save the universe, one great film at a time. This is Anthony speaking, one of those two aforementioned gomers coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, with my friend Steven, all the way out in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, for a song that has been such a part of our podcast journey. Yep. I've seen this movie shockingly little. 
Yeah, I was wondering, have you ever even seen this? Or how many times have you seen this? This is definitely the movie that I have seen least in the history mm. of Perfect Movie. Mm-hmm. You've seen um, Selma more times? Yes. That is really? a great question. And the wow. same question that Jessica okay. asked me. Okay. I've seen Selma. I, no, I guess it's the same thing, but I saw um, Selma twice in six, in pretty quick succession. Okay. Yep. Um, Chariots of Fire, I s believe I saw parts of when I was a young lad. Okay. But too boring for a little kid, probably. Sure. Then sure. I s watch, we watched it on our last sabbatical. So that was 2016. I was like, I got to watch Chariots of Fire. Okay. And I remember thinking, I think this is the first time I've seen this movie. Okay, sure. Yep, 2016. Right. Yep. So at this point, that's five or six years ago. Um, and I remembered almost... I will tell you, I think, when we get into the... Um, into the trial, what I remember most about this movie. Okay. Um, besides the song and that shot of them running on the beach. Yeah, 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 totally. There's iconic, iconic things, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but as far as, like, what the movie is about and what happens mm -hmm. in it, mm -hmm. this this felt like a first-time watch for me, which is weird to to have it on Perfect Movie. But Well, yeah. maybe I should ask, is this a movie that's in your rotation? No, it's... well. This is one of those that you watch because you listen to the song so many times and because everybody <laughs> right. talks about it. And, you know, like, yep. oh, you like to run? Do you like Chariots of Fire? You know, it's it's in all those lists of, like, top running movies, right. you know. It's up there, which is Definitely. obviously why we're doing it because we have the half marathon in four weeks. Yeah. Um, well, coming up on three weeks almost. Um, yep. So it's one of those that you talk about, one of those people ask about. It's one of those... Actually, maybe like Rocky, which I haven't seen a whole ton of times either. It's like it's just one of those. Th that's at least for me. I haven't watched right. it a ton of times. Sure. Um, even Godfather, which I love, I've had on, but uh -huh. haven't like sat and watched that often. It's just like okay. part of. It's it's almost like a movie that's part of who you are or something like that. I don't know. So I did the similar thing as we were training for some race. Yeah. I know I watched it in Florida for sure. Okay. And then watched it this week like twice. And then I had okay. it on. I actually watched it again this morning. Okay. Yeah. And I was very emotional watching it. Uh, I mean, I like, can't. So this so feels like emotional, dude. so different than Star Wars, which we did yeah. last, last month. And mm -hmm. we've been doing these kind of... Wait, what do you call it? <laughs> these these sacred cows, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I call it. You call it golden eating the geese. frog, <laughs> golden right? geese eating the frog, right? The, the golden geese. <laughs> yeah, and we've done so many of those in a row that mm -hmm. this was actually super refreshing. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to talking about it because I have no clue how you feel about this movie. Mm -hmm. I had no clue how I felt about this movie. It was chosen because we said for a while we've wanted to do it. Um, and then, like you said, we're doing the half marathon this month. And so we felt mm -hmm. like, let's do a running movie. Let's do the running movie, yes. which this is, right? This is the running yep. movie. Totally. I mean, Forrest Gump, Spirit of the Marathon. Right. Great running. I mean, still um, the movie that I can never remember 
Big Chill. <laughs> Great so, running movie. Right. So I guess when I when I say it's the running movie, it's the yeah. like you're saying it's the one on the top of every Google totally. list or yeah, yeah. ranker or whatever those things right. are, right? Um yep. uh even mental floss, I think I, when I was looking them up, had this it, it's not only in the list, right? It's number one. <laughs> it is the list. <laughs> yeah okay i'm it i'm just i just googled it okay yeah now there's that one with uh kevin costner mcfarlane usa i love yes. that movie yeah. i love and i would it. like to do that next time we do a race and perfect movie lines up with it i think we should do that movie it's really okay. good oh i love it okay runner's world when you look it up so when you look up yeah. top running movies we've got Extraordinary, never heard of that. Without limits, mm. never heard of that. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, probably should, probably should. But th- those are like the images that came up. The first okay. article that comes up is Runner's World, and the cover art for it is Chariots of Fire. Okay, right, right. It, it's just Top kind of 30. undeniably the running movie, I think. Um, yep. And so that makes sense that we would do it this month. And but and I've been excited about it for a while because it's not like I'm sitting down to watch The Matrix for the thirtieth time. Yeah, right. It's like I don't remember most of this movie, and it's not a part of me mm-hmm. like these other movies that we've been doing have been. And of course, last year especially, we did a lot of movies that were new to both of us. Yeah. Um, or fresh, or at least like we haven't seen them as many times as we've seen. Uh. When Harry met Sally, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, and this is one of our first foreign films. <laughs> right? A British film all the way from across the pond. Right. I think It's not this only was... about British people, right? It's a right. British movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it truly is. Like, I, I was reading, I think it was the third or fourth British film to win mm. the Best Picture, the okay. Academy Award. Gotcha. Right. So, and that that goes to the producer. So, uh, the producer was Dave David Putnam, and then he brought is up that, is that is that the person they give the statue to? They give the yep. statue to the producer at the yep. ceremony. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I never put that together. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because they, I, I actually watched the Oscars. Okay. Do you actually want to go to the Gomer One Sheet, dude? Let's go right there. Great idea. Okay. Um, okay. This movie came out. Okay. First of all. And, and we're going to get to that Oscar chat. That's why I want to do this. So yeah. when I look this up on IMDb, which is like my classic go-to. For sure. Right? Where the else would Internet you go? IMDb. Movie database. It's called that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, it said, dude, it says release date. I screenshotted it. April okay. 9th, 1982. Okay. Okay. So I did right. all this research for things that happened in 1982. Uh-huh. Okay, it actually came out October 9th, 1981. So I don't know <laughs> what right. that meant. At the very top of IMDb, it has the right date, but under release date where you can look up Oscars and budget and cool right. facts about it, that's where it's at. Yep. So the Gomer One Sheet is especially messed up this week. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of scribbles on this one sheet, folks. Scribbles and X's and, you know, I don't have white out. This is all handwritten with with a pen. It's in I pen. I was going to ask you, you, you might want to get some white out, but then that would just, I, no. I, I wouldn't like that. It, w- it would slow the process down. I like this kind of like 
devil may care yeah, yeah. Gomer Just, one sheet that's going yes. on here. <laughs> well, that's what it is because it says release date crossed out, crossed out, crossed out. <laughs> scribble, scribble everywhere. October, <laughs> October 9th, 1981. Uh, two hours and five minutes. Okay. I think it, I, I don't think, well, we'll talk about slowness because the pace of the film and just the feel of the film in general is much slower than most things that people watch today. Right. You know, this yep. is, it's definitely slow moving, but I think it's incredible. We'll get there. Me too. Budget is five and a half million dollars. Gross at the box office, $59 million based on a true story of Eric yep. Little. Mm-hmm. Um did win four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Screenplay for Colin Welland, Costume yep. Design for Milena Canonera, and Original Score for Vangelis. Shocking. And totally, because this was against Raiders. Uh, holy crap. So That's up for incredible. The Academy Award this year was Raiders and this, and then actually quite a few other really good ones that I forgot to write down. Wow. So that's interesting. Now he did win for E.T. Right. You mean John the, Williams did? Yes, John Williams. Not, so not this Vangelis fellow. <laughs> right. Um, so that's interesting. Actually, did here's a fun fact. Okay, a quick fun score fact. Because we don't have a ton okay. to talk about with score, actually. No. Originally, I don't know if it was Welland or Hudson the director or Putnam the producer wanted a different Vangelis song for the opening okay so it's it's one that he wrote for a different movie and they're like that's the opening they had already filmed the opening they put that music in Uh he's like please it doesn't work i wanna i wanna write something new and they're like no no no, this is perfect it has to be this okay has to be this and he's like dang it no i don't want it to be that so he goes home and he writes what we now know of as the chariots of fire the one that we sang so eloquently at the, the beginning the, of the top yep, of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yep, our favorite song. <laughs> and they're like, no, we, we want to keep stick with the original. So the, the the legend goes that he put it on a, like a tape and put it into uh-huh. his sports car and drove to the restaurant where they were all eating and played it outside of the restaurant super loud. Like made him get into the car and then drove around listening to this. <laughs> and they were like, okay, this rocks. <laughs> wow, that's one way that to do it. <laughs> now, so was that it was also kind of like totally synthy? Yeah, so he is this kind of composer that does everything at his, like, he's got buttons everywhere. Like, it looks like, okay. you know, Apollo 13 or something like that. Just synthesizers, you know, on all four sides of him. Boxes sure, kind of like kind of like this. Um, what's his name? The flute, the flute, long-haired guy who does the Mandalorian soundtrack now, and oh like yeah, it, Ludwig ve- very synthy. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So he, I remember seeing a video of him a long time ago where he wanted to be able to produce an entire orchestra like at his at his fingertips. You know what I mean? So like, because this is a hundred percent synth, right? I mean, sometimes I'm it sounds like sure, there's. Yeah. There could be like a violent, like some strings in there. But then if you listen a little closer, I was thinking, no, I can tell that that's all. Yeah. That that kind of like super produced synth sound. Yeah. I think we may be listening to the, like literally everything that happened in his studio. You know what I mean? Like right. we might actually be listening to that tape, you know, <laughs> that he brought into his car. Like this is what the it is. Tape. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean. 
in some sense that totally dates it, right? I, I think it really dates it. I'm just wondering yeah. if it's a positive or a negative. Um, th- yeah. This would th- this score would not be in this kind of movie nowadays. Right. It's just no. it feels like a. You, I, I'm seeing on the one sheet this pl- mm-hmm. this has not been scribbled out that he also wrote the score for Blade Runner, which mm-hmm. makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yep. Could two movies be more opposite? <laughs> right. than Chariots of Fire <laughs> totally. and Blade Runner, and they've got the same score. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a time capsule in, like, we're developing synthesizers, right? The 70s, yeah. yep. early 80s, mid-80s, which is now what the throwback is now. Like, everything is synth again. Like, listen right. to the big bands. Everybody's mm-hmm. playing synth. It's not acoustic anymore. Like, you might have yep. an acoustic guitar, but even the... Even the pianos are keyboards now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, piano sounds sounds so good now. The Nord like sounds friggin'. Why would you? Why would you? <laughs> why yeah. would you spend the time trying to mic a piano? Right. If you can get a better sound out of a, a synthesizer. Yeah. But sounds so good. So I guess my question is: Do you think that this is a question I didn't think I was going to ask? Do you think that in the movies it's going back to that to a synth mm. score? Like when you think about yeah. a Tron Legacy. Which mm-hmm. we love that score. Def punk. Yep. Um, I, they, I I was yeah. reading somewhere the even the Oscars this year. A lot of the scores that are getting attention are not orchestra scores. Right. They're kind of like a Nine Inch Nails guy score. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, dude, I love that score to the social me network. Too. I can't remember his name. Trent Reznor. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Where it's like this guy. It's not like John Williams being mm-hmm. nominated. It's just this producer of right. sounds and bleeps and bloops <laughs> is the right. up-and-comer for movie scoring. It's kind of strange. And back to what this is like more. Yeah. I think, like we were talking about on the Star Wars results show, uh-huh. like the, the Mickey Mousing right. is out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like even... I guess Mando, so Ludwig Göransson, yeah. um, John Powell, like we were talking about, uh, Michael Giacchino, they're all doing that. But they also, right. people are asking for the the synth stuff. But I think the Hans space, Zimmer's Dune kind yeah. of stuff that's going Hans on Zimmer's soundscape. Dune, the the yeah. soundscape versus right. the light motif and mm-hmm. Mickey Mousing. Yeah. But Hans yep. Zimmer is still using a 100-person orchestra. You know, like Interstellar, when we get to Interstellar, that's still yeah. a big orchestra in the middle of a church. Yep, you're super right. You know? So yeah. it's it's still there. Like, I still think it's just like film. I think mm-hmm. orchestral music is always going to be in movies. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yep. But it's a stylistic choice, just like needle Definitely. drops. Yeah. Which, dude, there's a needle drop in this movie that's so good. <laughs> That ho- I cannot wait to talk about it because I know oh. what you're talking about. Yeah, maybe one of the best needle drops I've ever heard. It's so perfect. There were there were two moments musically in this movie that I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, that I was like, say what? Am I really hearing this right now? Yeah. Okay, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I I would say training montage music is so so. I was thinking that same thing in the training montage section. Yep. I, I would love, part of me would love, and I could get 
in so much trouble for this because this won an Academy Award and this dude is amazing. Right. Part of me yep. would love to hear what, if this was a temp score and then they filled it in with like a rich orchestral score. What? Because like some of those ending scenes, some of yeah. those race scenes are just like a, a keyboard just going like, bow. I know. I was thinking about it like, at the same time. Like, would I be responding emotionally to this differently? I was responding mm. emotionally to oh, yeah. the end of this movie. Yes. But I wondered with a orchestral score dude give us a rudy score give us rudy underneath this you're right you could yep. re-edit this with rudy yeah you know what i mean or forrest gump like would be so oh, man. amazing or like yeah any sort of sports movie but, but were any yeah, of those yeah, were, were was well, i guess goldsmith was doing it then sylvester mm -hmm. not quite yet but right. um Sylvester was still in kind of his beeps and bloops yeah, stage yeah, yeah. here, or else, or else, yeah, saxophone, heavy saxophone influence stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're mm. right. Just I wonder, maybe they should do what? What movie were we just talking about where it's been rescored? Oh, 2001 with an original score, right? Oh, you were right. saying yeah, that yeah. there's a version of that. Um, yep. I wonder what that would be like, and I actually was wondering what that would be like while I was watching it. Yeah. How would this movie change with that kind of thing? Um, it's just different. It's but it but, is. But part of it, like, have you ever seen, um, like, well, so my my favorite, the show that I keep bringing up is For All Mankind, right? And yeah. They're transitioning through the '60s and the '70s and the '80s in that show, mm -hmm. and so okay. actually, Mad Men, same thing. Yeah. Like you can see the interiors of these houses slowly changing. Right. Yeah. You hit the 90s and you're super nostalgic for that. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what the 90s, like when you're in a time, you uh -huh. don't think about the style of it. You're just like, this is what everything looks like. Right. But then you look at the 90s. So, like, this is clearly 1981 when you watch yes, it. Yes. Definitely. Which is nostalgic. Yep. But I do think, man, I wonder if, if it would be, yeah more emotionally stirring and tugging on the heartstrings if you had that rich Rudy type score. Yeah. Well, Anthony, I think you should same. get on it. You should, you should score. This oh yeah. <laughs> with all your spare time. Yeah. With, with all my spare time and knowledge of how to write music. <laughs> that's not my thing. Um, yep. Okay. I want to get to the VHS back to the VHS. Is there anything else on the, yeah, yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes, again, to we don't really know how a 40-year-old movie has Rotten Tomatoes, but 82% <laughs> critic, 80% audience. Right. Um, I mean, some great stars in this that I even forgot to write down. I mean, Dursley, when Dursley comes up. I wish there had been more Uncle Vernon. I know. Dang like, it. I, I was so excited to see him. Yep. Look at Looking thin. Looking, no, but looking exactly <laughs> the same, dude. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, how I was mean, he 50 when he was 20? <laughs> immediately recognizable. Even yep. more immediately <laughs> immediately recognizable to me than Ian Holm was. Mm. Yep, I was Bilbo. like, is that Bilbo? Uh -huh. I, 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 it, that came out of, that was a shock to me to remember. And I was like, a couple times I was like, maybe it's not. He's got a different yeah, yeah. mustache going on. He looks a little right. thinner and younger. Different And accent. I was like, Right. Um, so this was after I was thinking about this was after Alien. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Which yeah. is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Where he he looks so different in this movie than when he was Ash in Alien. Yes, for sure. Um, but I was like, that there he is. 
These Bilbo. two guys together at last, Uncle Vernon and Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah, I was so happy about that. Also, yep. Alice Krieg, uh, uh-huh. she played Sybil Gordon, who was, you know, the singer. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, that was Harold Abrams' like love interest in the movie. Right. Yep. The Gilbert and Sullivan girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. She, um, what was it in there? Three Little Maids from School Are We? The Mikado. Three little maids from school are we, but as a schoolgirl well can be. Settle down. She <laughs> is the Borg queen in First Contact. No way. Yes. Because there's that other Star Trek thing happening, which mm. is Ab- Ben Cross, Harold, is mm-hmm. Sarek, right? Spock's dad in the new Star Trek. What? In 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 the 2009 Star Trek, the JJ yep. Abrams reboot. Yeah. Ben Cross is Sarek. Oh my gosh. Now, crazy. I, I wish with everything in me that I had just known that. But okay. it was bugging me the whole time. I know who yeah. this guy is, that long tall face. Yep. And right when you go on IMDb and it's like Chariots of Fire first, 2009 Star Trek second and i was like that's it it's he plays spock as a young kid's dad and then he they age him up for when he's uh when he's older and and i was like this is amazing so that's two star trek people oh wow yeah i i didn't know that either i was looking her up um, on imdb for this and i was like i kept coming up with this first contact stuff and i was like it's kind of hard to tell a borg though because they're so heavily made up (laughs) yeah 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 totally but that yeah. was crazy. Um, yep. A couple other quick things, dude. This song that we've been talking about this whole time did hit the Billboard yep. Hot 100 at number one. Can wow. you imagine? This was like the number one song on yeah, the radio. People, people yeah. like driving around with their windows down, <laughs> totally. picking up chicks, yeah. playing <laughs> that do classic hit, Vangalis's Do 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 Do. Come on um, in, honey. Also, this year from my favorite history website, first space shuttle. Oh, right. Which okay. Is, which is like, that's our space shuttle. You know what I mean? Like our my enterprise is NCC-1701D. Right. That's my enterprise. Very important. You know, Jean-Luc Picard is the my captain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, space shuttle, it, like Apollo 13, that's like our dad's and mom's rocket, Right. So what space shuttle was that? Did, did, did you, do you happen to know? Oh, like what was the name I of that didn't one? didn't write that down. Dang it. Shoot. Because I agree with you. I remember having like, I can't remember the name of the magazine, but it was like some sort of science kids magazine. Mm-hmm. And I remember a whole article about that space shuttle yeah. and just laying in bed looking at those pictures. Mm, totally. <laughs> then my mom comes in, I shut it and put it under my mattress. Yeah. Just kidding. What are you doing there? <laughs> like... <laughs> You're like, you looking, looking at that at, magazine again? Looking at rockets, boosters. <laughs> um, Ooh, look at those boosters. <laughs> yeah, but that's the OG one. It had a white fuel tank instead of an orange one. So, Ooh. like, the whole thing is white. Like, that yeah. thing is so cool looking. Mm. I love Tell that. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, two other really interesting things about that year. The yeah. DeLorean premieres. Oh. Like, the... That's when the DeLorean okay. came out. So, like, yep. just think about that 80s vibe 
sure. 80s future vibe of the of, i mean look at this i have one right here here it is yeah mine's I, I, mine's a little out of reach Ooh, dude, yeah. just i'm gonna go reach it because i gotta show you oh sweet yeah check this out everybody if you're on youtube We've got the Del- oh yeah oh yeah I've Back got to the, the Future I've, Three style. I've got the Back to the Future Three mod on it. Wow, the white walls and that giant yep. microchip. Yeah, oh. and the and the Mister Fusion. Mister Fusion. Uh, no, I have this guy. I have the oh, OG. Oh yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, I know. Me too. Always falls oh, out man. though. Well, th- thank you, 1981, for inventing yeah. this thing that would be in a toy in both of our offices. Yep, and thank you, Josh Bates, who got us mm. this. Right. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Josh, dude. Mm, and it. also, we love you too, Kevin. Bros, <laughs> other Gomer, Gomer bros. Um, last thing that was cool uh-huh. about this year, this was the first year, according to this website, of the London Marathon. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So Th- it, That's a weird coincidence. Yeah, I know, right? So, like, I feel like there's... You know what? Could you look up when Runner's World started? Okay. I wonder if there's like a 80s, 70s, 80s, like resurgence or surgence beginning of people running, like jazz bebopping, and you got the Walkman. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. what does 80s running look like? Like, listening to this song on a tape? Yeah. 1966 is when Runner's World oh. started. But okay. I do think that there was like a resurgence in like jogging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do you know sure. what I mean? Like, yep, totally. Maybe, maybe I'm just laying that on the fashion that I think of when I think of '80s. Uh-huh. But you know, uh-huh. like the the headbands and the wristbands and the yep. workout clothes. Totally. Um, the, my guess is that '80s, and there seem to be like when you watch an '80s movie, there's a lot of jogging jokes. I sure. feel like. Well, um, okay. It's in Seinfeld. He runs in yep. Seinfeld. Um, yep. The presidents, all of the presidents run. You can remember Clinton, that was a but that's big the 90s. Thing. Yeah, but you're guess, you're right. There was like this big, like, it's run for fun. Of course we run, but for recreation, for fun. Run for fun? What the hell kind of fun is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that's, that's getting big again yeah. in the 80s. Totally. You're so right. Okay, um, uh, when uh, Three Men and a Baby, there's a jogging yes, scene in that. There Remember, sure um, is. Yep. Tom Selleck goes out for a run. Oh, man, I P- love his outfit in that scene, He's picking too. up chicks, running right. He's getting a phone number. Those hairy gams. <laughs> totally so 80s, dude. Um, <laughs> and then they've got the same outfits in uh, Goonies, right? right? Like the running um, mm-hmm. tights with the shorts over it. Long socks. Brand has a very like workout outfit yep. that you would also run in. Yeah. Is that like an yeah. 80s thing? I th- like I, th- I really do think running and jogging for exercise and pleasure yeah. was relaunched in the 80s. And so it, it's curious that this movie mm-hmm. is so early in the, and, and wins the best picture, which I don't mm-hmm. have we mentioned that yet. It won the best picture yeah. that yep. year. Mm-hmm. Um so there's something in the water. There's something in the culture happening, running related yeah. at this point. All right. So let's. Uh, I'm going to read the VHS, and actually, I've got a surprise. Great. Ooh. I'm going to read the back of the Betamax. Oh, <laughs> dude, Beta, Beta lost the war against VHS. Remember, but wasn't it was higher quality, 
Right. Was it? I can't remember what the difference yep. was. That's what uh, I always remember. The, that's the urban legend is that beta was actually okay. higher quality, but yep. VHS won big VHS. Yeah. Or something. I wonder what the Runner's World, if Runner's World ever had a Chariots of Fire like cover. Like, oh, what is Runner's review. World of like November 1981? Hey, that's a great, That we should we should figure that out. Okay. Um, let me read the VHS. Great. Um, actually, on the front of the VHS, I rarely do this. On the front yeah. of this Betamax, I should say, it says winner of three British Academy Awards and winner uh-huh. of four Oscars. And it says really okay. big on the top, best film of the year on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm, That's okay. kind of fun. That is fun. You know what? Yeah. Look at me in my... Amero-centric Gomer one sheet. I did right at the top. It won 14 other big awards. This won 18 awards, like huge awards. So yeah. you got your BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, don't. I mean, I w- <laughs> it took the front of this beta, this beta max to really show us uh, the error of our ways. Okay. Um, here we go. Chariots of Fire. This is the back again. The most okay. acclaimed British movie of recent years of the rivalry between two British athletes as they prepare for and participate in the 1924 Olympic Games. Each man is spurred on by a personal social handicap. Interesting. Harold Abrams, Hmm. an ambitious Jewish outsider, runs because of the racial prejudice he experiences at Cambridge University. Eric Little, the Edinburgh son of a Scots missionary in China, runs for the greater glory of God. The film charts their lives in the years immediately preceding their historic races in Paris. A superb film, enhanced considerably by the music of Vangelis. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this last sentence. Ben Cross plays Abrams. Ian Charlson is little. That's how this description ends. L I D D E L L. Right. Um, running time 118. Good news, nation. It's in color. I watched this on HBO Max. Did you? Oh yeah, us too. Looked incredible. <laughs> totally. Looked incredible. Sounded incredible. There, there was a moment so where good. streaming felt like this is gonna be the death of how movies look because it was all janky mm-hmm. and buffering. And mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. are we in the golden age of how movies look at home? Totally. You're, you can get 4K streaming. You've got yep. Sonos and it's mm-hmm. 17 tweeters and subwoofer blasting. Needed blastings. You know, <laughs> totally. Like, dude, this is the golden age of streaming for sure. We have arrived. Now, sometimes it pauses. Sometimes if the internet's yeah, you're weird. Right. Sometimes in there's general, that wheel though, that goes around and around yep. depending on what device you're watching it. But yep, in, you have to load and stuff. But yeah. we're getting close to if not being there yeah by jersey um, kozinski i'm really glad we we got the score stuff out of the way because i want to get into some of the other things that we Great. thought about this movie and loved about it so i think we head into the trial do it now all right let's do it this is a story of two men who run not to run but to prove something to the world they will sacrifice anything to achieve their goals except their honor
Chariots of Fire has received unanimous critical acclaim. Majestic, masterful, triumphant, and joyful, says the Los Angeles Times. The New York Times calls it rousing and invigorating. ABC TV says you'll be riveted, enthralled, and you'll cheer like crazy. It's for everyone, says Newsweek. And the New York Daily News promises it will lift your spirits to a new high. Chariots of Fire. All rise. Hey, how's it going? This was a great screening, and I loved watching it on HBO Max. Although I like to like to watch it better on Beta Max. Beta. Wait a minute. Is that why they're called H? No, that's not why it's called HBO Max. Oh. It's just Max is no. a word that means great yeah. or something. Yeah, Max and Jinx. <laughs> Friends forever. All right. At maximum. Here, here we are in the trial. Um, and this is how it works. If Chariots of Fire is your first episode, if this is a year from when we're recording this and it's on the main feed and you don't right. know the rules, this is how it works. Anthony and I have a long list of movies that we love. And I would say on that list are also movies that we just know are important. Yep, totally. Um, so even though this isn't a movie that we're super familiar with up to this point, I, I love it that it's on the show right now because it, it does yep. feel like an important movie to us and to the culture. And I can't wait to talk about that. So we pick a movie and then we act as its defense counsel, present evidence. We get usually two evidences a piece, two exhibits a piece. And we use those to attempt to prove to you, our listener, and to one another that the movie is perfect. When we're done, listeners, you act as judge, jury, and possibly executioner because I get a vote. Anthony gets a vote. And then if it's 95% yeses from the listening 75%. audience. That's what I mean. 75%. Thank you. <laughs> or over. That equals a yay. And it is perfect. And then we collect these movies onto a flash drive. Mm -hmm. And we try to convert bad aliens into good mm -hmm. aliens. Two years yeah. ago, it was the Xenomorphs. Last year, it was the Harvesters from Independence Day. Mm -hmm. We have converted those. This year, 2022, we are sending these movies. To, here's what I think it should be. Okay. To Jabba the Hutt ah, from okay. episode four. Got it. And don't to not appear in episode four. <laughs> the so he's gonna, being yeah, that so we he's gonna, never have to see him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to watch the movies like in the background so that he can't appear in that one scene. <laughs> he watches the movies while they're in the cantina. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and but, then he's just yeah. not there when Han Solo comes out. <laughs> and somehow we still get Han Mabugi though. We still get... Right. We, we get, have to we, figure out how this exactly changes the space-time continuum so we can still get Han Mabugi. We can still get that scene at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yep. Hmm. So obviously he's not converted then, but he does watch the movies. You know, sometimes it's not like a immediate conversion. We know this, right. mm -hmm. that sometimes it takes time for it to sink in. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, okay, here we go. For some reason, him watching the movies prevents him from being in episode four. 
but yeah. he has a he has a bedside <laughs> conversion. Is that what it's called? Yeah, like a, a deathbed a deathbed death conversion while Leia is strangling him with that chain. Okay, done. And he becomes good right before he dies. Okay, nice. And we still get okay, Hondo Boogie somehow. That's he true. says it. He says it. Right. Okay. So um let's put this movie on trial. Do you, I mean, I guess before we do that, I'm, I am wondering about kind of like overall feelings and thoughts that you had while you were watching this movie. Yeah. Like, did, did you, it sounds like you enjoyed it. Mm, loved it. Okay. So when I watched it in the mid 2010s, uh-huh. teens, whatever, yep. I remember really liking it, really okay. thinking it was important. I mean, I, I forgot to mention this. I actually heard about this once again from Tim Keller in a sermon. Okay. He references yep. this movie often. My favorite preacher of all Got time. It. He mentions this and he mentions Rocky, both of those often as as well as the Lord of the Rings and all of C.S. Lewis okay. books as well. So he references yep. this often. So I knew it was important because of that. So when I went in to watch it, it was after listening to that sermon, actually. So what what is it that you hear? about this movie in a Tim Keller sermon. His main reference to this is twofold. One, it's the only movie that he knows of that he mentioned that really highlights the Sabbath. Okay. So it's in his yep. sermon called Work and Rest. Everybody go check it out. Mm-hmm. One of my most important, I listen to it a couple times a year. Um, right. So he talks about Sabbath, which I hopefully, hopefully we'll get to have a little bit of Sabbath chat at some point in the right. pod. Um, mm-hmm. And then he talks about actually, and this he uses this he uses um, Harold Abrams and yeah. Rocky as examples of people that are trying to. He calls it silencing the inner murmur of self reproach. Mm. Okay, so like okay, interesting the yeah. thing that drives you. So like the thing that drives Harold Abrams is yeah. running. Yep. Right. It, that's his driver, and it's never sa- it never satisfies. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then with Rocky, his drive is to go the distance so that he'll he'll know he's not a bum. Or like, if I can just <laughs> prove that I'm not a bum. I mean, like, think about Abram's line. Um, he says, "I have ten seconds." I got. I yeah. wrote this one down. I-, I was hoping you would. He said, F- four feet wide." and 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. No, in one hour's time, I'll be out there again. I'll raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? Yep. Right, like that's what he says. And so like, same thing as Rocky. I need to know I'm not a bum. So I need to win. I need to prove myself. So it's the proving of oneself. Through one's doing, yeah. to silence the you know to to in a sense earn your righteousness, earn your identity. Right. That's some deep stuff. Yeah, um, and then Sabbath, Sabbath chat. So Sabbath <laughs> chat. Okay, that that is what I, I I asked you that question because the Sabbath of it all mm-hmm. is the thing that I um have heard most about this movie. Mm-hmm. Even to the point that when I watched it this time, I was like, when are they going to start? I thought that's what this movie was about. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
and they don't actually get there until i mean well over half the movie and it's it's actually just a small section of the movie totally. but um i love that part mm, me too but, but i was like okay this is what i re- this is what i remember most about this movie I don't know why. I don't know if that's because it impacted me most when I watched it, or because, like you, I've heard it so many times referenced, especially in sermons or in sure. talks about work and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't hear. Okay, actually, I'm going to chunk in. Is that okay? Great. Because my first piece of evidence is that this movie is about something. <laughs> okay. I, I think I think that sounds a little bit dumb, but like. You you know some you you watch like Star Wars or you watch When Harry Met Sally and they're fun. Yep. And they're about things of course. But this movie is about it's like not only about one thing, it's about a lot of things yeah. where it just you think and think and think about it totally. after, while you're watching it and after you're done. Um and I suppose a movie like Matrix is like that too. It sticks with you as like intellectually and you think about it a lot. Yeah. Um but it really got me thinking about sports movies in general. Mm-hmm. That really good sports movies, and you just named Rocky as well. But like, and we've already talked about Rudy, and and it just seems like, and McFarlane USA. Yep. Good sports movies are about more than a sport, and there's totally. something unique about a sports movie that lends itself to being more about just the sport that's happening. Yeah, it's not like a movie is just watching the sport. You know, like we're story creatures, right? So like even when we watch the Olympics, like think about how NBC produces the Olympics. They always produce a story. You know, they do the recap of the life or they try to show some adversity and how they've overcome it or. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's like um, anything that you do that's hard or great, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be a journey and there's hopefully going to be victory whether you win or lose there's going to be some you know moment that's really important that you took from it and maybe that's part of why a why a sports movie like lends itself to it to to that kind of storytelling so well because it is a journey and it is relatable yeah like there are fewer like you don't have a movie about like an audition are there any Mm. well hmm that one movie with Robert Downey Jr. and oh, yeah, Jamie Foxx, remember where that he, yeah yeah the the cello the cello is that what's called no. the cellist something like Chel- that. Yeah, it was the cellist. Um, yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. about a blind audition, mm-hmm. right? That movie. Um, music movies actually work this way too, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there's just something baked in mm. to that kind of journey yeah. toward excellence. That lends itself really well to, like you're saying, meeting adversity and then learning some sort of big lesson at the end. Yeah. I I think a lot about why I love sports movies, which I do. Yep, me too. Even though we're not I mean, sports guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't really like sports. Right. <laughs> I, I get, I, it's probably the way that I'm being manhandled by these movies, yeah. right? Like you're only seeing the good, the exciting parts of it. Where I'm just like, when I'm watching sports, I'm like... It's just guys like bonking into each other. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very not inspiring to me. Right. But if you were to tell the story about those guys bonking into each other in a way that's compelling, which you hit it right on the head with the Olympics, they make a lot of effort to do that. They know that's um, what draws you in. I mean, right. even 
um, planet Earth does that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just for sure shots of animals looking cool. It's like, ooh, and now the predator is coming after the prey, right? How did this penguin uh-huh. defeat the, <laughs> all everything that was against Tororhan to, to make it through or this praying mantis? It's right. like um it, it's the way it's told. I, I get that. But so this movie ha- it's about so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I I really thought coming in, this is a movie about a guy who won't run because it's a Sunday. Right. And and that that it's like, how can that carry a two hour movie? Like it's like every Sunday <laughs> right. is just hanging out. And I was really pleased to mm-hmm. watch it and remember it's about a lot more than that. Totally. Which actually enriches that part of it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about I made a list of things that I think oh, okay, it's about, great. and I'm sure I'm not even scratching the surface. So it's about sports, uh-huh. and there's so many cool, inspiring, and fun things that happen. Like I think about that race around the the square. Oh man, at the university Perfect at Cambridge. Scene, dude. There is okay. Let's talk about that scene for a second. Because keep keep yeah. your list out. That that could be up there with like one of the best scenes of all time. I mean. The opening sequence I almost used as evidence because it's one of the yeah. best opening sequences also of all time. Well, actually, it's right. preceded. I forgot when I watched it again. It's actually preceded by a, a funeral. Right. They they start in the basically in the present day. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. They started. Yeah, the, no, it's 1978, and this comes out in 81. You're right. That you're right. Yep, that's true. So it's just a little bit in the past. Two of the runners are left, mm-hmm. and they're. At whose funeral is it's it? It's Abram's funeral. Oh, it's Abram's funeral. Okay. Yep. Um, and then they flash back to the story, and that's where you get the beach running scene. Okay, hold on. Dude, okay. I forgot that it opened with that scene. <laughs> it's uh uh-huh. it's so Aubrey Um Montague yeah. is sitting out in the audience or out in the you know the crowd at the funeral, yep. and then it's uh, Nigel Havens was the actor, um, the champagne dude. Okay, right. Or actually, I wrote Nigel Havens twice as actor, and <laughs> he didn't play himself. <laughs> I wrote this wrong. <laughs> what if he had played Dang himself, it. younged down? <laughs> um, he's the one delivering the eulogy, or he's speaking, or something okay. like that, um, about sure, right. those days. And then it goes to the flashback, which is actually when the movie takes place right and yep but that in some sense that's almost heaven too because that actually never took place like eric little never ran with those guys he never would have run on the beach with those guys right oh you're blowing my mind wait was eric little there He's on the beach. Is he there at the beginning and the end? Yes. Because you also see the beach at the end. Maybe it's the end. Because it's the same shot as the beginning and the end, but Eric Little never trains with them. He doesn't go to school there. And Eric Little is on the beach? at For sure in the beginning. Yes. Okay. The, you're right. There's no reason for him to be there because that, that is that's a training... Right. Uh, at their they're in the running yeah, and then because they, they run to point. school right right uh, which i and, love but then eric by the way if this could be another evidence i freaking love college oh movies my God. especially You're if so right. if they're in 
if they're old college movies, I don't. I'm not talking about like frat party. Oh movies. sure, yeah, yeah. That's Road not the kind trip. of college movie I love. <laughs> I mean, th- that's not what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. I like it when they all are wearing yep. suits and eating quietly at a table. Sure. I mean, it's got <laughs> and some guy is telling them the rules. Sure. From up front. You've got Harry Potter vibes a little bit. You've got a hundred percent. The Robin Williams movie, Dead Poet Society vibe, like the prep school right. vibes. Yep. But but college. Yeah, I love college movies. Now, I know we're just bouncing all over the place. Did you, I asked Aaron, I was like, what does this uh-huh. like 1920s all male thing feel like? You asked her that. Like, Okay, what'd she you said, say? Well, she, we were, we kind of like laughed about it a little bit she was like it's definitely yeah. you can yep. just see the perpetuation of male domination mm-hmm. right it, so it is an all cambridge at that point mm-hmm. i'm just i don't know this for sure but i'm getting it from context mm-hmm. is an all it's only dudes yeah maybe um the the women in this movie um it i guess it's out of necessity that they play kind of like side parts but you've got that woman that you mentioned in the sybil yep. right in the mm-hmm. opening who is who becomes abram's main gal mm-hmm. pal Do, are they married i don't think they're married i think they're not nope. i think they're boyfriend yeah, girlfriend they're boyfriend girlfriend they're they're courting is that, they're going go, with one go, another going with <laughs> <laughs> who are you going with um <laughs> And then there's Jenny, which is Eric Little's sister. Okay, so I didn't know that the first time I watched it. I thought it was his wife the whole time. I had to be reminded mid-movie. Okay. I was like, Jessica, is that his is that his girlfriend or is, are they married? And she's like, that's his sister. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I so forgot. that actually um, really changed the dynamic. The first time I watched this, I kind of thought he was a jerky husband. Like just doing what he yeah, feels like sure. doing. I need to run. Eh. And like just leaving her down in the dust, um, and the brother sister. No, I get what you mean. The conver- the conversations change when it's a when it's brother totally, sister. Totally, hundred percent. It's a completely different dynamic. Like they, and I actually prefer it. Me too. I, I think that he's able to have those conversations mm-hmm. differently with her because she's his sister, and and it's the the conversations he's having with her are about like their family and their yes. faith and what is who uh-huh. are you. And so when I was, that's what, that's actually when I asked Jessica, like, wait a minute, are they, are they married? And he's like, just saying, wait two years while I right. do this and then I'll meet you in yeah, China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it changes it that it's his mm-hmm. sister for sure. Yeah. I, I thought that the whole yeah. time. I only realized this last viewing that they were brother and sister. Um, yeah. 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 That, de- that definitely changes it. Okay. So I love how it goes from. Like I love the the pre scene of you're at a funeral. Yeah. It it like they then they go to the running, which Eric's there doesn't uh-huh. make sense. Then on the beach there's like an old man and a little boy and a dog. Yep. Which I was like, put that dog in a leash. It's gonna bite yeah. him. It's gonna bite those guys <laughs> right. in the butt. Or or but just it stopped before. It like got our to dog them. just run away and never be found. <laughs> you just never see that dog again. <laughs> um. <laughs> the end the credits roll but i saw that as like like um almost like this movie uh it is you know like when 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 a, a, bi- a biopic sort of feel where you show yep. an arc of somebody's life so it begins at the mm-hmm. end and then you 
yeah. you don't go to the beginning, but in that scene, at least you see the little boy, the old man, and then the middle dudes running. And yep. so the old guy's watching them like like the funeral, like, man, I remember when I was young. And then the little boy's mm-hmm. like, wow, look at those runners. You know, like, so cool. So then they get to the yeah, scene. I really like that shot. That's oh, great. so good. Then they get to the scene that you were talking about, and it's it's a perfect scene. Like, that's where we get the intro. Is it Nigel? I can't remember his name. That comes in with the cigarette. Just the cool guy. Yeah. I friggin' love that, yes. dude. Like, I know. I love that when there's a cool guy. <laughs> In the, in the midst of these total squares, yeah. he's just about as cool as you totally. can be, right? But he is a very cool guy. Is he the guy – now, because I've seen this so few times, is he the guy that then gives up the race to Eric at the – like, you can run my race? Oh, I might – I can't keep all these white guys. I know. All, <laughs> the, all white guys. During the, during the <laughs> look, movie, too. I can't keep these white guys in white shorts straight. Totally. I mean, you've got you've got Abrams, who's he's really tall and lanky with the black yeah. curly hair. Yes. Um, yeah. The dude, uh, Aubrey Montague. Mm-hmm. He looks very much like this this one film critic actually Sean Fennessy is his name. He is on the on the rewatchables. I was like actually is that guy is that that guy's dad? Is he kind of baby faced? Yep. Totally. That kind that kid that you know what I mean? right when you see him you're like this is a nice mm-hmm. guy. He's the guy that comes with Abrams to school mm-hmm. at the beginning. Is that mm-hmm. who we're talking about? Okay. Yeah, I really like you that know, actor. I just I um, love I love those two guys together. Like there's a meet cute there's a yeah. This is a bro movie. You know what? Hold on. Let me here. Let me let me chunk in. Hold on. Let me chunk in. Okay, great. And then I'll keep going with what the movie's about. But I like this. Oh, I like the direction it. we're going. No, no, I like this because I can keep coming back to okay, what it's good. about. For me, this is like an all-time amazing guy movie that is not hyper masculine. Like there's okay. Comp- yeah. There's competitive snuff. You know, there's the young yep. virile drive, you know, that is important yeah. uh, for, mm-hmm. you know, just as we're dudes, right? Like that's part of you growing yep. up in your in your teens and 20s is like discovering who you are, right? Sure. And so like when you get to college, there's yep. just like this drive, right? Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when those two have their meet cute, if I can say that, they're, you know, he's got his yeah. golf clubs. And he like drops him and he's <laughs> he's like, clubs. yeah, the golf clubs, yeah. you know, that that's he's like, it's all fake. He's like, I just like to look like sporty. Right. right. Um, and then they share a cab and then they have that great mm-hmm. scene where they're like by the fireplace. They're in there clearly like their dorm or something. They've brought pictures of their family yeah. and they're just talking yep. about their family and who they are and kind of like their family of origin They're you know, I grew up Jewish. My dad's a banker. This was his, he came from Lithuania and, yep. um, you know, he's like a British through and through now. Um, and just hearing the, the way that they kind of, you know, had that exposition, um, between those guys was seamless and beautiful. And it was like hearing yeah. a wonderful conversation between two dudes, just getting to know each other and becoming friends. Like, so kind of going with what is this movie about, I think that's one of the things is friendship, brotherhood. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yep. Yeah. And and actually that is a 
maybe that's why I like college movies because mm. a lot of times college movies are about friendship. Yeah. Um, and lots of times college movies are also about another thing that I wrote down, which is like some sort of oppression mm. within the mm-hmm. system. Um, and so uh, that that's definitely a, also a thread. The back of the box said mm-hmm. so, right? Of Abrams. trying to navigate his way as a person who loves being British. Mm -hmm. And British people love being British. (laughs) And I love movies about British people loving being British. Like, no, I love the queen. So proud. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And being Jewish. Mm And right, right away, there's all sorts of microaggressions yep. that come at him, like because of his mm-hmm. name, um, because of his the, the way that he uh, the, the choices that he makes, the way that he mm-hmm. looks. Um, so, uh, th- just this kind of friendship mm-hmm. thing superseding that, yeah. and not even being an issue between those two guys, especially Definitely. him and Aubrey. Yep. Um, and then he's at the, the, I love that scene where he's getting in the massage at the end of the movie and Abram's sitting in that chair. Sorry. Abram's getting the massage. Aubrey's Mm -hmm. sitting in the chair and Abram's just like, you are a man. (laughs) I'm looking at you and I love you. You are a man. (laughs) I'm just like, what is this scene? (laughs) You've got Bilbo Baggins like grabbing oil and massaging this naked dude. Massaging Sarek from Bilbo from Star Trek, and he's he's just like in his like he's in his head spiraling about who he is and what his life is, and he looks over at this guy and he's like, "You're a kind gentleman, Mm. and I wish I was like you." It's crazy, bonkers scene that I just like rewound and watched again because I was like. What, what kind mm. of movie is this? I love this about 70s and 80s dialogue yeah. in movies that you could just not get made today um, because the action's supposed to come faster if it doesn't make sense right away. We, I don't know. I just love We'd be that. like, boring, boring, move it on, move it along, right? Like, <laughs> I can't remember what that scene was that we talked about that was boring. It was evidence from a movie a while ago where it was mm. development. They wanted to cut it. I can't remember what it was. Oh, right. I can't remember, remember either. that. But you're right. It was recent. Yep. Okay. But yeah, um, he says. And, and they were just like, you have to keep this in. Right. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. No, we'll remember. Um, yeah. Yeah. He says to Aubrey, I've never known contentment. Right. Like he's looking at Aubrey like a, just like an at peace dude. Right. Yep. He's like, I've never known that. Yeah. By my most complete man. You're brave. Compassionate, kind, a content man. That's your secret. Contentment. I'm 24 and I've never known it. I'm forever in pursuit and I don't even know what it is I'm chasing. I also love the line, I'm semi-deprived. Mm. <laughs> that was that was that's that was good writing, right? Yes, like, that was great. Uh, there, there is a lot of semi meaning uh, Semitic, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's so many, uh, so much of the dialogue is loaded mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. S- and and can be 
heard several different ways, sure. which I just love um, about the writing in this movies in this movie and a lot of other movies where you can like, okay, you can watch it again. And you're like, is that what he meant when he said that? I think that's mm. what he meant. Oh, I, I totally do. I'm yep. semi-deprived. The, the, I, they'll lead me to water, but they won't let me drink. That's what mm. he said. Bang. Yes, that was great. So they they use me. Yep. That's what I took that. Like they use me for however much they need me, mm. but I'm never fulfilled. You're right. And I'll never be like one of them. Like I remember actually right. it, actually I I noted that word them when those mm. when the the you know the Cambridge like the leaders of the school Right. Like they said, they are like this or th- or those kind of like those people, like Jews. Right. Yeah. Is what. Yep. Right. What was the deal with that whole like we don't were they were like mad at him because he had a trainer. Yeah. They're supposed to be amateur runners. I see. And so like like at Cambridge, we're proud to be fully amateur and excellent. Right. I see. I think okay. that's what that was about. I, I had I had a hard time wrapping my head around mm-hmm. that, and then I thought, is this just an excuse? They don't want him to run because he's Jewish, mm. and so they're trying to figure out a way to not do that. Now that doesn't quite work because they're like super proud of him at the end when he does win. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that whole thing felt like what is going on there? They want to be. They want it both ways. They want to be elite, mm-hmm. and they also want to be amateurs. And he's paying the price for their confused thinking. It, yep. it was like, yeah, I, it was really hard for me to wrap my head around what was going on in that I, scene. I kind of pictured, like, I remember back in the day when, like, they didn't want any sort of sponsorship for college football athletes or them to, oh, like, I see. Okay. you have to pay yeah. for this stuff. Like, you can't take a bunch of mm-hmm. gifts. I kind of thought of it as, like, uh, that. Yeah. Like, you're, our, you're part of our team. And so, like, you should be right. finding what you need within these, yeah. these walls. You know what I mean? Why are you going yep. outside for for coaching? And he's like, "It's Bilbo Baggins, dude. <laughs> he's been to Mordor. You seen? <laughs> this guy had an, a very unexpected journey. <laughs> he should be my coach. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, th- okay. So another th- so another thing that it's about. Mm-hmm. So okay. So there's this this. Friendship thing. Yep. I love that, what you're talking about. Then there's also like this competition mm, thing. Mm-hmm. So Abrams and Aubrey have a great relationship, and he he has a great relationship with everybody in his college. Oh, right? he's the coolest um, guy. He's singing lead in HMS. His friends, I should say. Maybe not the stuffy boys who want him to sure. like act a certain the way. Upper but ups. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah, everybody that's a, they really have a very chummy, very friendly, very deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Then Little comes in, mm-hmm. who is just like an excellent runner, but wants to be a missionary. Right. And then there's sort of like a rivalry between these two. Yeah. And sort of like a mutual respect happening. Mm-hmm. Um. But what happens within all of that is this other thing that I think it's about. Maybe I'm reading too much into this because we've been talking about it so much on the podcast mm-hmm. and otherwise of like... Where do you find your identity? Mm, totally. And I, I think this is especially true with Abrams because he, like like you said, just wants to run. Yep. And he's so thrown when he loses against Little in that one scene. Yeah. That, and that's, then I wrote this line down. Oh, good. That Sybil says to him, 
you were marvelous, she says yeah. to Abrams. Yep. He was just more marvelous. Mm. It was marvelous. You were marvelous. He was more marvelous, that's all. On the day the best man won. I had to look for him. It's absolutely fundamental. You never look. He was ahead. There was nothing you could have done. He won fair and square. Well, that's that, Abrahams. Well, if you can't take a beating, perhaps it's for the best. I don't run to take beatings. I run to win. If I can't win, I won't run. If you don't run, you can't win. And that makes sense to her. Like, what are you complaining about? You did amazing. Totally. Two people can be marvelous. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. That's not what I want. Mm. I want to win. You don't understand. This is me. I'm a winner. And he's so totally. depressed. He says, I don't run to lose. I run to win. And then she, she said, so I'm not going to run. And then she said, well, you can't win if you don't run. Right? Like, that was a great <laughs> turn of phrase, I thought. So he he's struggling with, like, who he is. Mm-hmm. And there's just, like, this – the movie doesn't actually give any solid answers to how this works. Mm-hmm. There's just this blurred lines between identity and – what you do, who you are and what you do mm-hmm. and excellence wrapped up in all that. And it feels very messy and very complicated. And I was like loving it. Loving the whole thing. Totally. I mean, oh, man, here, we're, we're going to keep on this theme. Let me chunk in. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, this is fully on with identity. So it relates 100%. Great. I think that this movie gets better with age like a fine wine. And even though we talked about the datedness of the score and some of the stuff, you know, it's a time capsule of the, of the late teens and early twenties in, in Mm -hmm. England. Um, And a little bit of a time capsule of how movies were made in the late seventies and early eighties. I'll I'll give you that. Right. Um, But, but I, I think what you're going to say, I'm going to totally agree with about how it ages. Yep. So if I were to sit down, if you were, did you watch this with Noah and Jack or just Jessica? Just Jessica. They were both doing other things. And it was one of these things where I was like, we're doing this movie this week. I have to watch it tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't know what a 10 year old, Mm. a 16 year old, an 18 year old would think about this movie. So, oh, wait a minute. You're saying it gets better with your age gets better with your hey, age. Hey, dude. I love that. Yes. <laughs> like you only start to understand this movie at 40 plus, dude. That's my theory. <laughs> right. I really like this a lot because like I said, I do think I saw this at least clips of it when I was very young, elementary mm-hmm. school. And I was like, sure. right. Too Beyond. much talking. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't think. I mean, the girls definitely, I mean, they'd, they'd probably watch it. Sure. But I think they'd be bored. The, because, and maybe this goes back to this movie being about something, there actually is mm-hmm. not very much running. Right. <laughs> yep, there's more football in Rudy. Oh, yeah. Right. Like <laughs> Definitely more football in Rudy <laughs> than running in this movie. And that's actually saying quite a bit because there's not that much football in Rudy. <laughs> Right, right. Actually, maybe there isn't. I don't know if you could look at screen time. Mostly it's like mowing the lawn and drawing lines on the football field and thinking about his life. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Working in a factory. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Also very introspective, that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But you're, there's... I, yeah. I, I love this concept of, and I agree with you fully, something really struck me, okay, even more than when I watched it six years ago. Mm-hmm. Watching it today. Yep. I'm older. Yes. It, mm. it gets better with age, dude. Okay, I really I like watched that. it this morning, mm-hmm. and the opening scene, the funeral. Yeah. The idea of, you know, like Don Miller... Like he has his morning routine of like right. you write your eulogy, mm-hmm. or no? Is that what it is? Um, something your, like that. Yeah. Is, that's I guess that's what somebody would deliver about you. No, you're like what's what he wants on his tombstone, that sort of thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You begin. That's the truly beginning with the end in mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. Seven seven habits. Mm-hmm. But but he. I, I can't, it's not a eulogy. It's just something. Yeah. Um, so begin with what you would want to be known for, what you would want to have lived for, what you would want to, you know, be said about you. Right. And then live into that idea. Yeah. So like, um, so so beginning at the end, I'm already crying. Then the running scene, mm-hmm. I'm realizing Eric's there, which he shouldn't be, and I'm crying. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about our running journey, uh-huh. and then I'm thinking about college. <laughs> And then I'm thinking about identity. Yeah. Like you're talking about. Yep. And man, and then even the end, like the whole scene of him winning and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like he said, he said, um, I wrote this one down too. He said, I've known the fear of losing, but now I'm almost frightened to, to win. Yeah. But will I? Aubrey, I've known the fear of losing, but now I'm almost too frightened to win. What a deep concept to introduce at the end of this movie. Right. (laughs) Like, that's the fear of success. Yeah. And so, like, that's something that when you're, like, 20, you can't, I mean, not to put this on maybe a very more mature 20-year-old. Sure. For me, there's no way I could have gotten that idea. No, well, I think you could probably understand it conceptually, but I do think yep. you bring something into this movie when you've lived through those things. Uh, yes, that in enrich the experience, and that comes with age and experience. Listen to us; we're so aged and experienced. That's not mm. what we mean, listener. But it, it is like um, it's it's interesting to notice that about movies that either you're seeing for the first time or that you haven't seen much, or that you're coming back to, and mm-hmm. realize okay. That's what this movie's about, or that's what this movie's about right now for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's even like that. It it like you can take your current state into yeah. it. Yep. I know. Because I can one hundred percent relate to Abrams and one hundred percent relate to Little. Yeah. Like yes. I don't see myself as one or the other. I see them as two different parts of me. Yeah, and so I really love that about this movie, that there's no bad guy. The closest you get mm. to a bad guy is like um, grumpy old guys who don't want the the younger guys to get their way or yeah. something. Um, totally. But there is a um, – the, there's some sort of tension between these two men. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's a bad tension. But it exists, and I love thinking about mm-hmm. that. I, I mean, the the biggest 
thing, the biggest compliment I can give to this movie is I wanted to watch it again immediately. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't even think I really understood everything that was going on and what they were trying to say. I think that could be a stricken against us that it's saying too much, <laughs> hmm. but that's not how I feel right now. I, I feel more like I want to go back to it and understand more what it's trying to say or what it means yep. to me when I do watch it, what it's saying to me. Yeah. It's so, it's so well acted. Yeah. Like very naturalistic acting and mm-hmm. yeah. Really drawn yeah. in. Yeah. So I think in different points of your, so <clears throat> something I was thinking about was like, there's age, age and stage that uh-huh. is part of the, why this movie gets better with age. <clears throat> yep. Um, I think if I were to tell my 20 year old self, what I know now, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't get to where I am now or something like that. Like if yep. I was like, be, you know what I was thinking? Okay. <clears throat> I was thinking life's not about this. It's about being, it's, you know, being is better than doing. Right. Right. Like who are you becoming? Not what are you doing? And I was like, you know, that's sort of an easy thing to say from like a privileged, like <laughs> sure. middle aged successful place where uh-huh. I've, you know not to be arrogant but like i've I've like arrived at a point where that i wanted to in a lot of ways you know not everything's perfect or anything like that yeah so it's sort of easy to like tell my 20 year old self it's cool yep you know what i mean like well so eric says at one point i want to follow god but mm -hmm. i also want to run fast Mm. this is him and his sister yeah my my purpose in life is to follow God into his purposes. Mm-hmm. I also want to run fast. Mm-hmm. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, both of these things can exist at once. Yes. And and sometimes you're doing one more than the other, and that's okay. You're pendulum swinging in your life toward. Yeah doing things that you hate, (laughs) right? Because you're called to do it and saying, he's happy that I'm doing what I love. And it might Mm. not line up completely with what I thought was going to happen when I was younger. Um, And I was just like, my just chill bumps, bro, all over my Mm. body. Like I need to, that's something I need to write down and consider tomorrow (laughs) and the next day. (laughs) Like, what does this mean to me? (laughs) Totally like contemplate. Yeah, like that's that's even in um, uh, War of Art, like mm-hmm. the very end of War of Art. Stephen Pressfield, yeah, he actually liked my post, dude. What? I I, I tagged him in my mm-hmm. Insta story, and he liked it. You've arrived. <laughs> so stupid, <laughs> but I did feel sort of cool. Oh no, um, I would have felt amazing. <laughs> but um, but he says, "What would you do if?" nobody else was on earth have we already talked about this on the podcast i don't think so so he was like 
picture there's and and obviously it's not an apocalypse where everybody's dead it's just right. like for some reason you're in your house uh-huh. or you're on planet earth nobody else is there what would you do okay yeah and i was like honestly i would pick up my bassoon and make reads and play okay so i, I think what i would do is i'd bum around for a while of course and say yes. like oh i can do whatever i want i'd go like smash up a store or something <laughs> like that like, <laughs> yeah sure um Some and anarchy. that would last about that would probably last a week mm-hmm. before i realized i can't if this is my life for the rest of my life i need to do mm-hmm. things that i love and will bring me purpose even if there's nobody around sure sure now interesting that your job and actually my job too which is performing for other people yeah uh, is actually relational so i guess it doesn't yeah. quite work in Pressfield's sort of like thought experiment but yeah, i think right. eric little would run i i i think that's what he's saying right? in that scene yes and he's actually i think struggling within himself about like i know i'm called to the mission field he mm-hmm. recognizes that what do i do with the fact that i'm the fastest runner in the country yeah and i love doing it uh-huh and so yep. his answer and what he ends up doing with his life is he actually puts the mission aside mm-hmm. for the running. And yep. then you see in the little, t- the, you know, our favorite thing at the end of a movie where you see the text yeah. of what happened to him, he did go to the mission field and died there. Right. And mm-hmm. was celebrated for the, re- right. that, that was his legacy. Um, but I just, I loved the struggle in him right then. Mm. Um, when I, I can't get away from the fact that when I run, I feel his pleasure in a different way than I feel it doing anything else. Yeah. It's really a beautiful moment. I love it. I agree. And I then think, you can friggin' yeah. see that in his face and his body when he's running at I the know, end. And his sister's there and she sees it and gets it for yeah. the first time. Oh my god. Oh. Chill bumps. Yeah. Chill bumps. So good. Now put Rudy music on top of that. <laughs> that would be like lights out. Seriously. I oh man. Um, yep, you're right. Yeah. And it the the juxtaposition. So there's two juxtapositions that blow my mind. One is him being elated for winning his yeah. sister, his brother, that red-haired dude mm-hmm. that's like his friend. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Who, well, and even the name. American who slips him the scripture before he runs. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Is totally. for him in that moment. That's very mm-hmm. Rocky Four, where even the Russian is on the side. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. All the Russians in the, ch- in the crowd are sounding Rocky Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh so just pure elation. Yeah. And here's 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 my t- uh, uh juxtaposed with Harold wins. Yeah. And he he's sad when he crosses the finish line. Mm-hmm. Right? Like even um even his trainer, ooh, great mentor yep. movie too. We haven't even talked about mentorship. Oh yeah, that's um, true. I love it. But Ian Holmes character mm-hmm. like is happier for him than he is. Oh, he's yeah. He's like, let's celebrate, dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, saying, I've can't. been waiting for this moment my whole life, and he's happy about it. That's Bilbo very is. rocky. That's very yeah. rocky trainer, right? Yeah, that I have been not, I, he hasn't been waiting his whole life to win. He's been waiting his whole life for somebody he's coached to win. Yes. Wow. And he's able to, at that moment, be really happy about it. And Abrams can't get there and doesn't. 
Now you the, again, you see at the at, over the credits that he becomes like the elder statesman of British sport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So somehow yeah. he's able to get there, but in that moment, it, the tension it doesn't go away. It and doesn't go I away. I think around his identity and all those things, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, because that's the problem is if you build your identity based on your performance. Um, mm-hmm. Like I actually, I actually wrote this down, dude. Um, this has been kind of my mantra when I walk out to play a concert. Uh-huh. Is you are not defined by what you do out there. Okay. So yeah. when I walk out to play a show, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not earning my identity based on my performance. And so right. this, I, I have to say this to myself because you and I mm-hmm. have talked about performance anxiety and stuff like that. And I have to preach this to myself, which is you are not defined by what you do out there. Right. And yeah. it cre- when, when I truly am detached from it and play from that yeah. freedom stance, it's the most mm-hmm. beautiful feeling ever. So I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, so I can come out here from that place of rest, from that place of being approved by God and loved by God with a father looking down. And so right. I'm just going to play music. Wow. It's like the best feeling in the world. When I'm out there playing for other people's approval or to impress others, yep. it's the worst feeling in the world. If When I'm drawing my identity from my performance, and that's why I think he wins the gold yeah. He's drawing his identity from that instead of, you know, what's inside from the love of God, you know, uh-huh. whereas that's what Eric Little is coming into with that. Yeah. And so the gold is just icing on the cake. It's it I really right? I think you really understand at the end of that movie that he really wants to win. This is Eric Little. Uh-huh. And he's going to try, he's going to put 100% into it. Yep. And if he had lost, he would have been fine. Yep. Um, I think th- this part's a little tricky for me to talk about because I don't want it to sound like a Christian versus Jewish thing. Which Not I think at all. Sometimes this movie does get yeah, some I, I don't want crap it to be about like that. that. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I will say is I think the feeling that I have is that um, Eric Little has arrived. The, at least the, I don't know if this is true in real life. You never know, right? With one with a biopic like this, right, right. Eric has arrived at some sort of peace with himself and his God and his convictions. Yes, that Abrams hasn't at the end of this movie. Absolutely, all the scripture that Eric talks about is Jewish scripture. <laughs> Isaiah You're totally forty, right. it's, it's all Ten Old Commandments, stuff. You're Sabbath, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, it's it's and, more of the personal journey. Absolutely, I'm not making it like that at all. No, no, no. And I don't. I didn't think you were. I just. Yeah. I just, I feel that in myself a little bit with this mm-hmm. thing I'm about to say, which okay. is that the, this whole Sabbath piece of this movie, mm-hmm. which I think it's also about having conviction and yes, working through your convictions and saying I'm taking a stand with this, mm-hmm. even as a even as a Christian, I'm not sure I even get why he's so convicted about this one thing, not sure. running on the Sabbath. We'd right? be like, just run, dude. Like if my advice him would be like the next day. <laughs> right. Take a Sabbath on a Monday. <laughs> I've got the answer. It's you don't have to go and sit in front of the Prince of Wales to yeah. <laughs> to figure it out. And so I don't quite get the conviction, but mm-hmm. he has it. Yes. And he knows running, going into that race that he has done everything he can to run with integrity. Right. And so then the gold medal is icing. 
Yes. Uh, well, and he's and willing just, to not that, do that's it. That's a really uh, right, he's willing to not even do just it. Lay it and down. so when he goes into it, mm-hmm. knowing that he's been the best he could be and mm-hmm. sacrifice everything of himself mm-hmm. around that, and then he goes in completely clear-minded. He should not win that 400 meter because he's not a 400 meter racer. And that's what all the Americans are saying when he's like, this is going to be a piece of cake. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. He's a sprinter, right? That's not even his thing. Right. That's not not his event. How did he do it? That's that's why a movie is made of it, right? It's because it's a a miracle. It's so good. (laughs) I mean, it's like one of those things like, like actually remember um, in Catch Me If You Can... Mm-hmm. When Tom Hanks says to Leo, "How did you pass the bar?" Like he's like, yeah. "That's the one thing that I don't get." Yeah, because he actually did. Like yeah. Frank Abagnale. Yeah, like like there there's in the midst of all this other stuff, there's actually one thing that's almost impossible. Yeah, right. And so like in this, how did he actually win the four hundred? Like how did he pass so that- the bar? That's another thing that I think makes this isn't on my list of uh, evidences, but I do think that makes for a perfect sports movie if there's actually some sort of element of miraculous in mm. it. Isn't there a movie called Miracle? That's a hockey movie, right? That's about uh-huh. USA. 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 <laughs> um, uh, I I like that. There's like he he actually did that thing that's impossible mm-hmm. and that's how yeah. the movie's gonna end <laughs> yeah it's pretty good totally. uh so i i don't know i i just all these things kind of lined up for me on this viewing yeah where i was like this movie's freaking good yep <laughs> it's great um after saying all that deep stuff can i give you my second Sweet. piece of evidence which is yes. very shallow awesome one thing that really drove it home for me this time is I was loving the running clothes. Oh, yeah. In this movie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so I wrote three down in particular. Okay, great. There's that classic white shirt, white shorts, bare feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, the bare feet actually makes it for me. They're running on the on the beach they leap over that fence they're on the grass and i'm thinking yep. the whole time they've got bare feet and they're just yep. running with this white and at one point one of them takes their shirt off and it's just white shorts bare feet and i'm like i would love to run in that if i had that confidence yeah yep <laughs> wouldn't i wouldn't look so good like that but they're all no. cool actor dudes yeah they legit run in this movie oh yeah right and sometimes it's not pretty how they look yeah, okay. Little looks sort of weird, right? Like, like yes. he does this thing at the end, right, where he's like, Ugh! and like, sticks he, he his looks head. like, yeah, he looks like he's, like he needs to, to send his sample into ombre.com to figure out what's wrong with his gut woes. Yep. Uh, ombre.com slash two gomers. Oh, no, yes. slash runners block. Um, okay. That's kind of the classic one. Okay. Then when they're training, bro. Here's my 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 second my two favorite training outfits that they run in. One is mm-hmm. wool trousers, mm-hmm. suspenders, and button-down shirt, no collar. <laughs> yeah. It's like for some reason an outfit they are training for a race in. Dude, so clearly they have 
not figured out synthetic, uh, right? Oh, like, no. I mean, because th- this won the Oscar costume design. Uh, I, I would give it again to the mm-hmm. to everyone because I loved the costumes in this. Yes. Um, uh, and then there's this moment where it's Abrams. He's training in those those classic white shorts. Yep. But above, he's got that white button-down shirt, a yellow ribbed sweater vest. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a yep. really yellow uh-huh. and a matching yellow scarf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a long, big scarf yeah, it's around like his neck. up. Yeah. yeah. How... What, like was that for adversity training? Like so that you're super hot? You know what I mean? I don't like, think so. I think that's just what they wore. <laughs> Is it sort of like I was fascinated by the I, running clothes in this movie? Yeah, I wonder if there's something to like. We are the gentlemen of Cambridge, and so like. Oh yeah. Oh, I and think not right. just them. The 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 whole preppy vibe is like. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't show that you're sweating right that you're i don't know like maybe you're trying to always look gentlemanly or something like that so sort of dressy right there's even when training. there's that there, there's that scene where that the hurdler mm-hmm. puts those glass also i love this visual he puts those oh. wine glasses on each yep. hurdle mm-hmm. oh I, I i don't know why i love this kind of thing when there's so just good. like that kind of iconic visual yep where and so he's trying to hurdle Mm-hmm. Without touching, that's how we can tell if he touches the hurdles mm-hmm. because the the wine spills. Yeah, it's straight out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> remember the training? Like, there's bells all over the tree, and he's like, "Don't touch yep. it." <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. I, it's first. I don't know what that is called, but I love that kind of yeah <laughs> that thing in a movie. So, but he's like walking around his like gardens at his mansion Jeez, with yeah. like a. With like white pants, a white shirt on, a white sweater, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna practice." Mm-hmm. Only takes the sweater off and continues to wear everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and does the hurdles in them. Yep, I love it. Man, run a race like that, dude. Dressed we should. We like... should dress like. We should dress like the chariots of fire boys. Hmm. Oh shoot, that would be that would be awesome. Um, okay, I I maybe we should punt the needle drops to the. Okay, yeah, show. we can punt the needle drops. I have a okay. perfect food scene. I have a perfect sleep scene. Ooh. Um, I have some I love that. Some perfect um uh what's what's that called? Uh the the sound effects foley. I have some perfect foley scenes. So we okay. can chat about that in the Okay. And then I also want to tell an audition story. Um, but we can let's punt all that to the results show. How about that? Okay, Th- that'll give us plenty to talk about. Okay. Um, all right, listener, now it's up to you. The best place to go to vote for whether Chariots of Fire is a perfect movie is our Instagram. You can find us there at Two Gomers, but you can also follow us on Facebook. You can write us an email. We want to know: Is Chariots of Fire a perfect movie? I think I think it's kind of hard for us to tell as two guys who haven't watched it very much. So. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's your first time or if you've watched this movie a lot, what do you think? Is Chariots of Fire a perfect movie? We want to hear from you. Um, and then in a couple weeks, we're going to come back here on the bonus disc and reveal that. If you're hearing this a year later, make sure you're subscribing to the bonus disc. Patreon.com slash gomers because the results show stays behind this paywall, baby. And if mm-hmm. you want to hear about Gilbert and Sullivan 
we you haven't even talked about Gilbert and Saul. Okay. Yep, need a drop. <laughs> you gotta you gotta subscribe to the Patreon. Yep. Thanks to our webmaster Adam, Jason for our graphics, Davis for music, Annie for our social media. Next movie. Oh baby. Oh boy. We we're we're going we're going interstellar. We have not done have we done a Hans Zimmer? Oh yeah, duh. League of Their Own. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Thanks for the reminder. Uh, but we have not done a Nolan. No, and so this is going to be our first Nolan. Um, Interstellar. I I'm kind of conflicted over in Interstellar, so I can't wait to rewatch. Me too. I haven't watched it for a long time. Um, I can't wait to rewatch um, and talk through Interstellar. I'm sure we'll talk Dune when we talk Interstellar. There's so many th- Hans Zimmer, so much Nolan stuff we're going to talk about. So. Get out your Betamax and watch Interstellar for next month. <laughs> for sure, dude. Um, can, can I yeah. just end by saying this was very inspiring for me as a runner with a race coming up? Me too. You know, we didn't talk about that enough at all, but you're so right. Like when I see those guys on that beach, that's a rave run. Yeah. That's a, that is uh, <laughs> fantasy fulfillment. You know what I mean? Like dream yeah, fulfillment. definitely. Like, it just looks so cool. I do think about sort of like the what it was like to film that because they're getting these super close-ups yeah. on people's faces. They must be in a vehicle, right? Definitely. Must be in a vehicle. And But I was just thinking about the physical. Like, did mm. they have to do multiple takes of that? They were, like, running pretty fast. And that's, like, a minute or two. Solid. I love the one guy that's just covered with mud. Yeah. Yep. And and it's not that he's fallen down because it splatters. Nope. It's mm-hmm. obviously the sand that has flown up from other yeah. people's feet covering the front of him. So good. So awesome. Yep. Yeah. Love it. But yeah, I was really I was like I'm I was really motivated to run. Me too. Made me excited about the race. I love that we do it together. So I I don't know. It was just a reminder. Oh yeah, this is good what we're doing. Yep. Me too. I loved it. Inspired and we'll be talking about it on the run, no doubt. <laughs> For sure, yeah. (laughs) Whatever we didn't talk about on the podcast, folks, we're going to be talking just together on the run about Chariots (laughs) of the Fire. Chariots of Fire, for sure. All right, dude. Great app. Super fun, man. And happy watching Interstellar. Interstellar.